Well, we roll on Manchester United through to yet another semi-final, Ed. Um, yeah, semi-final of the FA Cup, semi-final of the League Cup, semi-final of the Europa League, uh, third in the Premier League. I make that a quadruple. <laughs> um, some very horrible headlines uh, in the mirror saying that Solskjaer had said that winning the Europa League would be better than the treble, basically, oh. when what he actually said was he would be unbelievably proud. It would be his personal proudest achievement, which is a very, very, very different thing. Um, but yeah. It, it, uh, sad state of journalism today that they need that in order to get the, the clicks through to the article where everyone reads the quotes and goes, oh, OK. He, mm. he said nothing of the sort. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, the, but, but the level of... Um, Literacy is not yet high enough that the headline won't be used as a stick to beat Solskjaer with by some people, um, both in good and bad yes. faith. Yes. Um, will the performance against Copenhagen be used as a stick to beat Solskjaer? I mean, I have to say, I sort of took the temperature of various United groups and it seemed like everyone was extremely miserable. I thoroughly enjoyed that game. I don't know if there's something wrong with me. Of course... It was a bit frustrating. Well, that... well, yes, but yeah, let's talk about the football. <laughs> um, uh, it was a bit frustrating that we kept hitting the post and that the goal, the first goal was slightly offside and there was another offside goal. And, you know, there was that kind of worry about whether we'd get through or not. But as I've said a number of times on the show, all I've wanted in the latter Van Hal and all the way through the Mourinho period is for United to be fun to watch. And I will take our number nine trying to beat 15 men while the 17-year-old striker tries to score wonder goals and the attacking midfielder behind him is trying to thread through balls every time he touches the ball or shoot from range, almost always causing damage of some kind. I found it quite a fun attacking performance. I calamitous defensively, but quite fun attacking wise. Yeah, well, calamitous defensively almost, right? Yes, so that's right. Sergio Romero didn't make a save and uh, Johansson made 13. So that, that that's a that's a good metric of the difference in size. I, I think the two problems for United were if there were if, if there were problems, right? Why didn't United dispatch a, a pretty mediocre side um, in more comfortable fashion? You know, one was the temptation to shoot from anywhere. So six of those thirteen saves that Johansson made were very low xG shots from outside the box. Now sometimes they go in. But statistically, it's not very often, right? Um, and and so I don't think United were making the clear as many clear cut openings as their dominance of possession in the final third of the pitch would have suggested. And and mostly, I think that's because actually Copenhagen did a reasonable job, given how mediocre they are as a side, of narrowing the pitch, knowing that United have no options in wide areas. None, not a single one, and and you can see why Solskjaer has prioritised Jadon Sancho because we have no one in the squad capable of instead coming of instead of coming inside and narrowing the game down, widening the pitch and opening it up. It's what Manchester, you know, we we make fun of Manchester City for always walking the the ball in, but their most common you know goal type you know narrative is basically getting round the back and cutting it back for someone to come in and shoot, right? We Absolutely. don't score too many goals like that. So, um, you know, dominance of possession, uh, complete dominance in terms of chances created and shots, uh, but didn't open them up 
enough to to make all that dominance translate into the best goals. And that was the frustrating bit. Yeah, sorry, not the best goals. Enough goals. More goals. Uh, that was the frustrating bit that, uh, that, yes, United hit the post, what, two or three times? Twice at least. So the, yeah, Greenwood, the Greenwood one that Rashford tapped in was offside and the Bruno one from range. Yeah, exactly. So... You know, and and yes, United you know, had a lot of shots, uh, but when we needed to open the pitch out, we couldn't. And, and that, so, that's that's simple. It's because Aaron Wan-Bissaka, although he's getting better, it does is not an attacking fullback. He's he's trying to do the thing that is not natural to him. And and on the other side, Brandon Williams, as talented as the kid is, he always cuts into his. Well, he's, uh, he's right. He's right, he's right footed. footed. He always cuts inside because he's right yeah. footed. And Luke Shaw is allergic to getting into the final third and crossing the ball. No, he isn't. That's nonsense. <laughs> he gets he does it all the time. He just doesn't do it great. Um he he he's, he does he does it a lot. This season he's done it a lot. Like Luke Shaw had more touches of the ball in the box than Harry Kane in, in the month of June or July, whichever one it was, I can't remember. Uh, that's that's too easy. You can criticize Luke Shaw for a lot of things, but that's that's too easy. And not accurate. Um, the the thing about this game is, I almost feel like a lot of the the sense of the Copenhagen game is defined by the first twenty five minutes, where United really, really, really struggled. And um, Robbie Savage provided one of the single worst pieces of analysis I've ever heard on uh, football television. I thought that was it was a uniquely awful bit of tactical analysis because he said, "We know United struggle with a low block," and it's like, well, no, in this game. United are not struggling with the low block. The first 25 minutes was defined by United being unable to get past the press. There was the one where Fred was in the middle of the two centre-backs and nearly created a... Ma- well, create, gave a, there was a massive turnover created. Nothing came of it. Um, but United weren't able to, to maintain any possession, get the ball into Copenhagen's half. That was the problem. Once Copenhagen did sit in a low block, it was only a matter of time. You say that six of the shots from outside were from outside the box, which is, of course, true. And... But the total XG created by United was substantial in and of itself. And the post-shot XG that was saved by, according to FB Ref, which I think is it's a stats bomb statistic that they've licensed. Yeah. Um, it, it was like three and a half goals of post-shot XG saved by the keeper. So it's not like they were useless pot shots that were defining United's day. We, we, we gave a... We created us through either like... There were there were a substantial number of big chances, and then there was the the offside um, Greenwood goal, which was a you know very narrow margin away from being a, a massive chance created. Well, I don't know how massive a chance it is, but it was a hell of a finish. He's very good. Mason Greenwood is very good at football, um, and you know you have Martial dancing around half their team, and then not being able to. There was a couple where they didn't even like where we didn't take a shot where a, a big almost chance was created so so i i think it's you're right that um there was an element of frustration but it's not like we were shy on good quality goal attempts in terms of a combination of like uh good quality in absolute terms and good quality in terms of the the quality of shot that the players were able to get off. Yes, I mean three three big chances uh created for united which accounts for lots of the xg um, Not the post shot stuff though, right? That's or quite a lot of it, but yeah, know. quite quite a lot of it. But I'm um, sure. But I'd, look, it's uh, and and I wouldn't 
take my analysis as being a, a criticism of United's inability to create chances. I'm just saying there wasn't a plan B. And we've, we've moved on. So in the past, there wasn't a plan B would have meant that United could only sit in a lone block and break. And, and Robbie Savage's analysis is based on last year's performances or the early part of this season, which was there were no creative choices at all. Now United are on the front foot in most games, almost all of them. Uh, and the frustration um, is, is, a different, is a different one. What, what I'm saying is in this particular game where Copenhagen pressed from the front and then got back into shape very, very quickly and sat their fullbacks very, very narrow, it said to United, OK, you can try and pass through us, but the chances of succeeding with those passes is slim. Um, and or you can get around the back, and we know you're not going to be able to do that. But the 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 thing is, we did get we did pass through them. We we you know their their goalkeeper had to have an absolute world of a performance for this to go to extra time for us to win, which we did. So it's like it's not like their strategy worked against us, um, the, unless their strategy included the keeper well, was going to have. It was fifteen minutes away from working. Yeah. yeah, but it but it didn't work, and and it was fifteen minutes away from working because uh, Martial was on some sort of absolute unbelievable business, but couldn't quite get that final finish right. And their goalkeeper, you know, as as everyone commented, was fully going had gone fully Brad Friedel, you know. So and of course it doesn't matter anyway because eventually United will get a penalty because. That's what we. It's just what we do. It we we get penalties. It's what we do. <clears throat> yeah, um, it's so, true. Yeah, I, I mean, yes. I, I just I, I only seventy five percent agree with you. I, I understand what you're saying. United did create the chances. I, I just still think the 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 problem is, you know, you will likely lose if you sit in Robbie Savage's low block against United as a as a mediocre team because at some point United are either going to get a penalty because we have a lot of players who run with the ball um, or we'll get a long shot off or we'll create the chance to to uh, to win it for you um, there's not to go a step further United are going to need uh, more variety in that you know we will be able to go through the middle or wide or create the long shots or win from set pieces or whatever it is. You know? yeah, so and and got, it's not a got, big we... structural thing. I, I think, you know, and, and the thing that was really apparent in this game, I think, is how how United struggle at fullback. I mean, just looking through the stats, two assists for Luke Shaw this season and four for Aaron Wampazaka across all competitions. Trent Alexander-Arnold has 13 on his own. And I know that was... No, no, but you're making a face because you're like, oh, that's not a fair benchmark. Of course it's a fair benchmark because you say, hey, what what is the quality of player that you need in order to win competitions how many, and you how look many, at that quality. How many fullbacks in Premier League history have 13 assists in a season? I'm just saying that is a benchmark you can look at. I'm not saying they have to, otherwise they're shit. Yeah. Right? It's not binary. It's not I, Twitter I think, here, Paul. We're allowed to have a no, nice I, conversation I know, but on that. Well, it's not Twitter, so we probably shouldn't kind of go uh, give in to like the, the most... Uh, the, What's the benchmark the kind of, that's okay for you? Because I, I think um, uh, a low number of shots creating chances and a very low number of assists, you know, reveals a weakness that yeah. United would solve if we took a different direction. Now, that different direction may be from within the club. Now, I don't think Luke Shaw is ever going to be that attacking fullback that creates chances, right? It's, it's no, just not, not going to happen for him. Not now. since the leg break. Wan 
we'll see. I mean, he's got room to improve, but I think he's like the the ceiling may be not that much higher in an attacking sense. We'll see. Mm. We'll see. Uh, and and then so you know you have to find another option, and then all our forward players are basically forwards, aren't they? You know, yeah. Even Dan yeah, James, yeah. he can't go around the outside and put a cross in. It hardly ever happens. And on the left, he wants to cut in and shoot <laughs> wildly. So yep. Poor it, old it's, Dan James. it's definitely a challenge for United this one. Yeah, I don't disagree. Although I would say that given that we've had, uh, well. The Zlatan seasons may be a little bit of an aberration, but basically since Louis van Gaal took over, we haven't been able to beat teams that sit in a low block, and now we can. Yeah. And we, we haven't yet got to the point where, so like you said, a goal through, passing through the middle, goal from a set piece, penalty created. Well, we've got th- those three things sorted. And yes, you're right, we, we are struggling from creativity for the flanks. I'm not sure we need to be setting the bar at 13 assists per season for our fullbacks because... Um, most creative midfielders don't get 13 assists in, a, in the league in a season. So, you know. All no, competitions. But, uh, no, sure. But, you know, shoot for the moon and, and see what you get. Yeah. So, it, it's... Uh, even if you don't like that as a benchmark and as a comparison, United must improve in this area. Anyway, that was a long conversation about one one problem United had in this game. It was also, uh, by the way, it was also a problem in some of the the, uh, the late, season Premier League games where yeah. teams had worked out this is United's weakness you know let the fullbacks have it and the likelihood is uh, they won't be able to hurt you so yeah uh yeah I mean this is true although Wan-Bissaka's got four league assists this season which I think is more than most people would have thought he would have got by this point and there was one in this game where it's like oh head up Aaron like he got himself into such a good position. There was a striker free in the box, and he just didn't look before he tapped in the cross, and it was it was a, a shame. Um, the the two interesting decisions in the team selection in this game were the were Eric Bailly's presence and Fred's ahead of Nemanja Matic. Uh, Fred did nothing to um, argue for a place in the side. I would say, in fact, I would say he was very bad in this game. Bailly, though. Um, was, hey, guess what? Bailly was like all action and put in a bunch of absolutely incredible kind of blocks and tackles and last minute things and always looked like something a little bit wacky was about to happen. Uh, so Eric, Eric Bailly is going to Eric Bailly. I think we can all agree. Yeah, interesting. Whether I'm not sure what was what that was about, whether it was just a, a tactical change from Solskjaer, who preferred Bailly in this position and, and his pace over Lindelof. Um, and and his, probably his ball, superior ball distribution skills, or whether Lindelof was just not fresh enough because um, he came on later, so he's obviously not injured. Uh, Fred, yes, I mean it's always compromised when he, when he has to play as a six like that because that's not his natural game. His natural game is something more industrious. Uh, it's a problem for him, I'd say. I mean, we've I think it's fair that to say that this season has been a positive one for him mostly. Uh, but he's also part of the, the the creativity problem. So if you play him instead of Pogba or Fernandez, then you're taking out a, an awful lot of progressive passing because Fred doesn't do that. Right? He gets around the pitch. He's industrious. He does make interceptions. But playing him as a six is uh, reveals some weaknesses. And and you're right, he didn't have a good game. You know, Nemanja Matic came on and almost you know gave gave away free kick in a really dangerous area late on in the game. I was like, oh, classic Nemanja, you know. So. It's he he does the opposite to Fred, 
right? He he makes a lot of progressive passes for a defensive midfielder and improves United's recycling of the ball significantly, I'd say, when he's he's in the team. Uh, and the weakness is he his legs are not there, you know, and it, it gets revealed every single time he plays. Um, which is which is a struggle, you know, and and it will be if he plays against Sevilla. I think we'll be looking for that because Sevilla have a lot of players who who run forward from deep. Um, I just looked up Gary Neville's assist record, by the way, thirty five assists in four hundred appearances in the league. Not now, great. Fo- football's changed, to be fair, um, since then, and fullbacks quite a much more important attacking. Yes. But anyway, yes, Gary Neville had David Beckham ahead of him from yeah, all that time. Yeah, exactly. Um, the uh, the um, the another person whose legs have gone uh was is one matter um and when he came on for greenwood at the the stroke of full time i guess it was with beginning of extra time was like oh what are you doing Ollie? greenwood kind of looked the one most likely one matter massively changed the game really added a dimension to united's progressive attacking around the box and basically opened up the space that created the penalty and basically ran rampant for about 5 minutes and was uh was one of well Clearly one of the most important agents in United's success. So well done, Ole. Good sub. Yes. No, no. I mean, it worked out really well. Yes, I felt the same way. Greenwood always looks like a threat, even if he's not deeply involved in the game. When he gets the ball, you know something can happen. Uh, and I, it's uh, the debate about uh, the debate on I was watching this game on TBS and the the debate um, was about whether uh, he could continue to score all these worldies, Greenwood. But basically the goal he scored when it was offside was Greenwood encapsulated, breaks all yeah. the models. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he doesn't fit the average because his finishing is so good. And I don't think that's a hot run. Um, that's, that is Mason Greenwood. Now, yeah. his challenge when he's playing outside, of course, is get on the ball enough uh, because he will only go one way and that's inside. Um, and, and which is great because you know he's extremely dangerous on his left foot, uh, but he he wasn't deeply involved in this game apart from the the you know few chances he had. And and you're right, the change for matter worked out extremely well. Maybe Oli knows uh, more than we think he does. Um, and and I mean, he gave United a, 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 some control, right? Because what matter does is is he knows how to find space, and and, and even if he can't run into it himself. It's a shame, it's such a shame that he has got to that point that certain type of players get to in their career where they are always offside because they're too slow to break the offside trap now. So they just they just don't stand in the right place. It happened to Van Persie at the end of his time at United was offside all the time. Um, and it's happening to Mata now. I wanted to talk about Bruno. Um, we I, I, What I don't want to do is have the discussion we've had 40 times on the show and we'll have again. So we don't need to have that discussion. I just wanted to note that I thought his touch looked um, back to, you know, because he was looking so leggy, so tired at the back end of uh, the league season. I thought, especially in the first sort of two thirds of the game, not that he didn't give the ball away a lot. Obviously he did. Uh, that's that's the conversation, listen, dear listener, that I'm trying to avoid having. Um, uh, uh, but it's, he. I just thought that he looked a little bit more on it, a little bit less tired, but... Um, uh, Vitishan, not, not by the end of 120 minutes, he didn't. No, Vitishan Etanharaja um, tweeted this absolutely brilliant tweet. He's like, I've never watched a footballer and thought, God, I hope he's got some annual leave lined up. And then he replied to his own tweet with, Join a union, Bruno. <laughs> it's like Solskjaer's running him into the ground. He needs help to protect him from the bosses. 
Yeah, fair. Um, okay, so look, I won't relitigate the conversation we had 40 times. So just po- point people to an article on The Athletic uh, that came out last week on on possession and why it matters. Uh, I think it might even be called that, um, in which they run through a bunch of statistics. And, and one of the interesting points about that, which articulated in a better way than I have managed on this podcast, is why when Bruno gives away the ball, it can be a real problem for United. Now, it can be great for United because he creates chances. Um, but uh, And so in this game, he, um, he lost possession 21 times. Or no, he failed to complete a pass 21 times. It does translate quite well to turnovers. Uh, and maybe in 600 passes that United made in this game, that feels like not very many. But if the distinct number of possessions United have is more like 80 or 90, then you're talking about turning over the ball 25% of the time through one guy, right? That's why it's a problem. Uh, And in this game, it wasn't a problem because it's, you know, the percentage of those turnovers that ended up in Copenhagen creating a chance for themselves, I assume, was pretty low. I don't know how to work that out statistically. That's the only point. Go read that article. I thought it was interesting. Um, The... uh... The pursuit of fun. This is this is the thing that nobody seems to. The pursuit of fun should not be underestimated. And Bruno, Bruno is fun FC. Bruno, funno more like like he gets the ball. He's like right. What can what is the most fun thing I can try and do with this right now? Um, but yeah, uh, Pogba on the other hand remains both fun and staggeringly effective. The number of times that he beat the press in this game, on his own, with no help from any of his useless teammates who can't beat the press to save their lives. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think there's... uh, I can understand why you wouldn't want this to happen, right? But if Pogba was to sit even deeper than he has been uh, and and he's the man to recycle the ball off the central defenders, I think United would be in a much stronger position. Right, much stronger, and it's. Uh, I'm sure this point has been made elsewhere. That's where United are falling down with this high press now. The people talk about Harry Maguire having a decent touch and uh, being able to pass, and same with Lindelof, but they're not that good. Right? Mm. They're just not that good. They're okay, uh, and we got ourselves into trouble with teams that that press um, our back four. And and you know what? Everyone else can see that. Right, so it's going to happen yeah. more and more. It's not by accident. Who was uh, it? Was it? It was Southampton, wasn't it? When, when, like we were saying, oh, they're they're clearly targeting Luke Shaw and what? It was, I think, Lindelof maybe might have been Maguire, and then they just started targeting everyone. Uh, Matic, of course, was playing from the beginning of that game, but they started targeting everyone, and they managed to they managed to get the ball off Pogba, which not yeah. many people can do, and that led to their goal. So it's one of the reasons why I also keep saying I think a defensive midfielder would be really good, not just from the like the defending structural part of our game, but for recycling the ball. I mean, you know, just throwing a name out there, but if United had someone like Angola Kante at his best, I think we'd be functionally so much superior yeah. uh, than, than with Fred or, or Matic or even McTominay, who's not really a defensive midfielder. So probably available as well this summer, you know. That would be exciting. A uh, couple of seasons out. of an ancient Chelsea player. Shout out to the absolutely staggeringly brilliant um, bit of play from Copenhagen, the Redondo moment with the back heel through the legs. Uh, I mean, just superb. And why the lad in the middle 
didn't shoot and tried to pass it to the guy. To, you know, the one when he cuts it back with the back heel and then he's there with Romero right there. The goal's like, I mean, wide open to him. And instead of taking the shot, I don't know, for some reason he thinks his mate's in a better position and knocks it to him. But it was a, a really bad decision because um, I think we all thought that was a goal. I mean, there were a number of times in this game and Romero didn't end up making a save because there was another block, another defensive block. I'd like to see how many blocks United made considering Romero didn't have to make a save. Um, I, I suspect it was relatively high for the possession kind yeah. of comparisons. It, it was interesting. I, like, uh, I hadn't seen Rasmus Falk or I hadn't noticed him. I, I watched the previous Copenhagen game, uh, but I didn't really notice him in the same way in that one. And he was he was great in this game, wasn't he, mm. as a kind of creative outlet. But he's only got one cap, uh, which is he looks far too good to not have more caps than that for a small country. Is he Danish? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, maybe, does he play at 10? Maybe because that this could say that's maybe one area that Denmark's got an actual kind of world-class player in that position. Yeah, I think he mostly plays off the left, but he's right. obviously a, like a 10 playing off the left in the sort of Zidane mould. Not saying yeah. he's that good. <laughs> um, really, a really entertaining game of football in a lot of ways anyway, this. Um, Martial, just before we finish, you said Martial's had his oats. Like, he just... He was so on it from minute one. And I've never seen a performance deserve a goal except for the bit where you actually put the ball in the back of the net, which he didn't do that good a job of that. I mean, probably his his single kind of cleanest strike was he tried to score the Martial goal from outside the box and hit that unreal sweet. And it was a, a very nice save from yeah. the keeper. But I mean, did, did, I, I wonder whether if we hadn't hired Jose Mourinho, sorry, just, you know, one minute of a agenda here for those yeah. who want to forward. If we hadn't hired Jose Mourinho and we'd hired a, a coach who actually believed in creative players at yeah. that point, whether this Martial, we might not have seen him two years ago. You oh, know, he Because he's always yeah. had that in him. And and this this combination of being able to play nine effectively, uh, ball in front of him or with his back to goal, doesn't do that a lot. Running into the channels, running with the ball and finishing well. I mean, it's a it's a great combination of all his skill sets being showcased in this game, apart from the finishing bit. You know, it's it's the 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 forwards we kind of admire and love who do that. People like Ronaldo, original Ronaldo, right? I mean, obviously he was superb at every aspect of that game. Yeah, and, and again, an unrealistic realistic benchmark since it's a podcast of unrealistic benchmarks. <laughs> uh, but that's the kind of thing we want from Anthony Martial and he's got it all in the locker and he shows it week and week and week week in and week out and week in and week out and has done literally all season except when he was injured like it's it's been an unbelievable season and we're going to talk we're going to do a, a season review at some point and um, I'm I'm going to take some shifting from my position on who I believe the player of the season should be I mean, listen, he's a look, French centre forward. I, I know so. you're going to want to argue for Luke Shaw, but <laughs> I've got a few candidates other than that. Um, uh, uh, Rashford, I thought, struggled slightly again. Um, a lot, but, struggled a lot. He had a really mm. bad game. He looks out of sorts. Mm. I mean, had, since has he had a really good game since we came back from lockdown? Yeah, he had, he had one or two. Um, actually, when everyone else was starting to struggle a bit, he looked like he was starting to find some form, I thought. Um, but I don't think he's... He hasn't put it all together in the way that he did pre-lockdown. I'm not worried about that, though. I think that's... And in a way, you know, Martial's doing the job that he's suited to better than Rashford is doing the job that he's suited to, because you could argue that Rashford probably is more of a centre-forward 
anyway. I mean, I don't even know if that's true anymore, but it's definitely a reasonable argument. I'm not I'm not worried about his long term at all. Um, but yeah, Martial would definitely be this player if we hadn't hired Jose Mourinho and we'd hired, I don't know, somebody who isn't a weird enemy of football. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know we've got, we're going to talk about Sevilla, right? Should we take a little break and then come back and talk about Sevilla? Yeah, let's, I, I, yes, I haven't got anything more to say about this game. I mean, United made it through. Uh, it's going to be hard. Uh, Pep said this, actually. I think it was on Ollie that they're not allowed to, uh, masseurs and their cryo chambers and, and all the sort of post-match recovery that they normally have. And uh, this is, it's hard. Uh, and Ollie then said after this game, there actually isn't that much time, although it feels like it's six days or whatever. There isn't that much time to prepare for the next game and get everyone fit and ready. And that that's, you know, United did look a bit leggy towards the end of this game. Obviously, 120 minutes. Uh, everyone's going to do that, and we're just hoping that there's there's enough left in the tank for this next game because it's going to be a high energy game. This next one. Are you telling me that uh, Pep Guardiola was needs his little trinkets for recovery? Oh, interesting, interesting. Anyway, let's take a break. If you want more from the show in between shows, check us out on the socials. We are NQAT Pod on Instagram, Ed's at NQAT Pod on Twitter. And we are under our real names on Facebook at No Question About That. Uh, De Gea, Valencia, Lindelof, Smalling, Young, Matic, Herrera, McTominay, Mata, Lukaku, Alexis. A bench of Bai, Damian, Romero, Pogba, Martial, Rashford, Lingard. War criminal. War criminal. That's <laughs> That was the starting eleven as has been widely circulated in the away leg of the Champions League game against Sevilla when the war criminal that used to be in charge of our club had literally the three best players in the squad, I would say. That squad, the three best players all on the bench. Um, They're not going to be on the bench uh, come the game against Sevilla on whenever it is. Sunday night. Sunday night. No, they won't be, uh, I, I assume. I mean, Rashford, with that performance, I guess... You could say he's at risk, but he won't. He, he, he'll start. He'll start. <laughs> so, and Pogba and, and Martial certainly will. Yes, uh, Jose Mourinho, an enemy of football and enemy of creative players. Uh, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, not. And, nope. and, you know, a big chance. I mean, lost in the FA Cup semi final, big lot of changes there. Lost in the League Cup semi final, obviously against City, destroyed in that, that first half of that first leg. Basically, that that was all decided, and and now a big chance against a very good uh, Sevilla side. I finished fourth in La Liga, same number of points as Atletico, and you know sort of the best of the rest. Those those two teams managed by Julian Lopetegui. God, I knew I was going to ruin that one, but the former Spain and Real Madrid manager. Ah, uh, hold on. You can't. He's not. He should never be known as the former Spain and Real Madrid manager because that that tells a very different story to what actually happened. The, yeah, that's true. the man who was sacked the night before a World Cup started for agreeing to take the Real Madrid job, which he lost in six months. That's that's Julian Lopetegui. Yes, unfortunate. But he's got a good severe side. I mean, yeah. they're interesting because they. They, I was looking up their their data in La Liga this season, and and they uh, have more possession than any team bar Real and Barcelona. Uh, they've created more chances than any team bar Real and Barcelona. They have a better defensive uh, record than any team bar Real and Atletico. You know, so there's a lot of strengths here. There are some weaknesses. They're, they're still reliant on Ever Benega, who's you know obviously had a wonderful career, but is on the 
the slide, I would say. Uh, but it was very good against Wolves, especially yeah, I mean, in the second half. He's 32. He's he's getting towards the slide. I was going to say, Ed, who's your favourite Sevilla player and why is it ever Benega? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's everyone's favourite Sevilla player, right? Yeah, um, that guy. It's, yeah, it's uh, it's post hipster. Everyone everyone likes him, yeah. um, and you know they've got um, they've got pace at fullback. Um, uh, Jesus Navas uh, play or Jesus Navas plays at fullback for them for Manchester City winger. Um, they've got Reguilón, who's a Real Madrid player, but a young left sided um, uh, fullback who's who's been linked with various clubs in England. Uh, sort of thought to be available, uh, but uh, a good player. Um, and then they've got this kind of flexible three up front, you know, Suso, El Nazari, and a Campos who scored the goal against uh, against Wolves. So, you know, I, th- I thought they were pretty good against Wolves. They obviously had a lot of possession. I think I put in the, the NQAT WhatsApp group. It's really hard to tell if a team's any good when they're playing Wolves because everyone looks the same, you know. Wolves don't want possession. They're 27% possession in this game. And and their their game plan is the same. It's it's keep it tight and then and look for the chance. And and they had the chance. You know, Raúl Jiménez missed a penalty in that in that first half, which might have given them the platform to to shut out this game in the latter stages. Yeah, I mean, I, Sevilla are probably a tougher challenge than Wolves in a lot of ways. But I am glad we've got them rather than Wolves just in the pursuit of some attempt at a fun game because it would not have been a fun game against Wolves. And this way we get to see Eva Benega against Manchester United. I mean, the, the, one of the fascinating things in this game is going to be, can United dominate possession? Not dominate possession, but like maintain consistent periods of possession because I think that's going to be a real challenge for them. And against- I, I think I think it will be, yeah. Um, and... Um, <laughs> So, so talking, we were talking about possession earlier and, and giving the ball away. Twenty four point six percent possession for Wolves in the the game against Sevilla. Sixty eight percent pass completion rate. Uh, they just didn't want the ball. But look deeper at the data. Sevilla they keep the ball really well. Fifty eight percent average possession across La Liga this season in in a in a league that values possession. Um, so they're very good at it, and it will be a problem for United to use the ball effectively uh, in those periods when we. We have it because I suspect that Sevilla will try and try and dominate the ball, not to the extent that they did against Wolves. I mean, they they have goals all over their team, but their kind of leading goal scorer got is a Campos who got fourteen goals in uh, the league this season, and De Jong was like second with six. So they they're not they're not massively prolific forwards. Um, but like I said, they, they do spread those goals around. I mean, that was Ocampo's first goal in the Europa League. We should also point out the very obvious thing. They are massive Europa League specialists. I mean, their their run in this competition is absolutely ridiculous. And the number of times... I, I know. I mean, it. historically, though, that's because they're like the best of the rest or one of the best of the rest in Spain. It's a strong league and, you know... I, I, I know, historically, they've won it a ton of times in the last sort of 15 years. Um, they, they, Colin Miller tweeting, um, they've now won 24 of their last 25 Europa League knockout ties, including finals, 25 different opponents. Slavia Prague are the only side to stop them since the run which started with victory over Mlados Podgorica in August 2013. What was that team again? Sorry? Yeah, that was just some team. But since August 2013, they've won 24 out of 25 Europa League knockout ties. I don't think Man United are the favourite for this tie. I really don't. 
I think we've lost two semi-finals this season. Um, but you could say the circumstances were were what they were. But I think this is a team that um, I said I'd rather we were playing them than Wolves for the sake of fun. I think actually Wolves trying to sit back and soak everything up and counter-attack against us. They might have won that way, but it's a dangerous way to play against this Man United side. Um, I think uh, a kind of fairly aggressive press and uh, ability to tire United's midfield and play around them is really quite an effective way because it's not like our defensive unit, even though the record is spectacular, both in terms of not conceding goals and not giving up chances. They The, the numbers are great, but the eye test has just not looked great at any point uh, since about halfway through this season, they've looked a sort of shambles waiting to happen. So I'm I'm really nervous about this. Uh, I'm not. I don't think it's by not just not a foregone conclusion. I don't think it's even that likely. Of course, United could win. They've got absolute game-winning players across the front five. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's a huge. It's going to be a huge challenge. Yeah, I mean Sevilla. I think a kind of. Um... They're they're not a high pressing side. They they press and then sit back uh, as a, a, a kind of structure. I think it's pretty much a cl- sort of classical European system. There, right? This is not the game in present. No, um, no. Sorry, that's it, that's kind of what I meant. Yeah, yes. yeah, it, it, exactly. And and they'll play with the four three three. And so formation wise, it's probably going to match up reasonably well. Um, but they they are a good side. They're a good side. Not without their flaws, I'd say. But um, it's going to be a, a tough ask for United, for sure. And, and the the thing is, the thing that worries me is is how much energy there's in the in the tank of United. I mean, in this game, in the game against Lask, you can kind of discount because who knows with those guys, right? Um, the game against Copenhagen, it didn't. It felt like they ran out. I know it's 120 minutes. But it kind of did. Um, we'll see how true that is. I, I was I was praying that Sevilla would get the um, get extra time as well. You know, two minutes away from it because I, I thought that even things up a little bit. We've got yeah. the extra twenty four hours. Maybe that does. Yeah, yeah. I think that twenty four hours probably equates to that that half an hour pretty well actually. Because um, yeah, I, I didn't think for most of the ninety minutes United looked exhausted. It wasn't like it had been at the back end of the season. Looked very disjointed in the first 25 minutes. But once we found our groove, I thought they the energy didn't look a massive problem until right at the end. And then, I don't know how much stock you put in. It was 32 degrees. We didn't even mention this. I was sat literally sat in my house, eating my dinner in front of the telly while the football was on, thinking it is too hot to sit and eat my dinner in front of the telly watching this, let alone <laughs> run around and play in it. For, yeah, for the weather forecast looks a bit better for Sunday. There may there may be rain and it looks like sort of mid-20s. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So that that's good, Yeah, I think. Especially against Sevilla of all teams, like uh, a team that is not unused to playing in extremely warm temperatures based on their geographical situation. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a fantastic game. I mean, this is an actual proper European tie. You know, Lask and Copenhagen, with all the goodwill in the world, This is that's not a kind of tasty European tie. Fourth no, place, finally, we've actually played someone decent this season. <laughs> yeah. Fourth place in La Liga and third place in the Premier League are probably fairly equivalent in terms of levels. Um, I think our best players are better than their best players. 
but I'm not convinced about our structure versus their structure. So yeah, no, no, true. And look, I think we've got more weapons. Yeah, basically, that's not an insult. Just <laughs> <laughs> and they've got Eva Benega. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see whether Solskjaer, um comes up with a ta- tactical plan to negate him because obviously he's central to many of their their sort of creative output and and whether Scott McTominay plays to harass him we'll see or whether we focus more on our attacking play in which in which case Matic will play yeah I mean I know where I know where my money would be in that I, I think it I think we almost need Matic to play in this game because we are much better off trying to maximize our strengths and negate their weaknesses I think because I think it costs us too much if we try to negate their weaknesses so I, th- I think it will be I think Bayern might keep his place because I don't think he did anything wrong um uh, unless Solskjaer perceives him as kind of, you know, too much of a loose cannon in this game. Uh, although, I don't know, Lindelof's had a weird season. But anyway, uh, yeah. So I think it'll be by, but I think Matic will come in for Fred. Yeah, it's probably right. Um, and then the the two patterns that I, I discussed earlier, one, United's lack of attacking from fullback and, and uh, Sevilla's lots of attacking from fullback and I think that'll that'll be interesting are are their attacking fullbacks going to be so high up the pitch that um Wambazaka and and uh Williams are under pressure all the time um and we can't get Rashford and Greenwood into the game or can we uh, exploit that space that there will be behind those players Navas and Reguillon um and uh, and get our forwards Greenwood Rashford into into those channels could well, be a good option. We've definitely got players who can hit a long diag, haven't we? So that that should help. Um, yeah, brill. Can't wait for this one. Really looking forward to it. Thanks everyone for listening. We're not going to do transfer nonsense chat today because there's nothing to report except the nature of reporting, um, which you know, whatever. Um, and uh, we'll talk about that as as and when things actually happen. Um, Patreon backers, we we are going to do a quick chat about the Champions League we're, we're trying to squeeze in a recording in the middle of working day so it's going to be shorter than usual but um but we'll have a, have a bit of chat about the Champions League and um yeah everyone else will see you I guess on Monday probably uh if we if we're playing on Sunday I guess we'll record after that and we'll see you then okay have a good one <laughs>